Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 134 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer. Brennan Escott with you. Royal Pizza, Pizza Past, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. All April, enjoy a free 2-liter Coke product with the purchase of any two large pizzas. Order online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. Brennan Escott's a big fan of the Texan. At this time, we welcome back to the show. He did a double hit for us on Monday. Our NHL insider, John Shannon, for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Get your e today with no payments and no interest for a year that's how you build a legacy legacy heating and cooling john we're gonna do uh we're gonna do this first of all how you doing how's it going great bob how are you good uh total curveball yeah, but just the sort of thing that i like to do we'll get to the trade deadline and you know which teams uh do you think improved and how we shape it up for the playoffs and long-term business prognosis for the team uh, when did you when did you start actually on the television production side? Was it mid nineteen seventies? My first job was at Hockey Night Canada in uh, October of nineteen seventy seven. My first job at radio was in September of nineteen seventy six. Okay, do you recall watching uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the Buffalo Sabers in the mid nineteen seventies? Would have been the seventy four seventy five season. Uh, sure, Sabers Sabers third year, uh, and uh, uh, they uh, they were an up and coming team: Perot, Gare, Robert, Martin, Jocelyn, Gavermont on defense. You know, they were a pretty good hockey team. And they upset the Canadians, uh, as you would recall. In and well, I don't know if it was considered an upset because they actually finished ahead of uh, yeah. Montreal. But do you know what I remember about that? I don't know if people are aware of this. Uh, Buffalo had home ice advantage, won six five in overtime in game one, won four two in game two. Mm-hmm. Game three, game three, and game four went back into Montreal. This is the first year Guy Lafleur became a, a superstar player in the league, right? Yep. The, the Canadians, do you remember the Canadians just absolutely destroying Buffalo? Like, crushing them. 
I do. I, re- I remember that the, the interesting thing about uh, Lafleur by then uh, was, and, and let's remember that Scotty Bowman had taken over coaching in Montreal by then too. So there was a learning curve for for some of those players with Bowman behind the bench. Um, but the reason Lafleur took off was after his third year in the National Hockey League, he had a long talk in the off season with Jean Beliveau. Uh and Beliveau told him at the time, and Beliveau recanted this story many times is that he told him to be himself. And the first thing he needed to do was take the helmet off. And he took the helmet off, Bob, uh, because he wore the same helmet that Stan Nikita wore, that uh, Mike Foligno wore. The Winwell. The Winwell, yeah, he he wore that. And and Beliveau told him, just be yourself and take the helmet off and play the game. Uh, and um, and Lafleur exploded uh, at that season as one of the superstars of the seventies. Just think about this for the listeners out there: the Canadians won Game Three seven nothing. They won Game Four eight two. So they outscored Buffalo fifteen to two in two games, and then the Sabers won their second overtime game in the series five four in Game Five, and then won in Montreal in a game that the Canadians dominated the back half of the game four three, and they ended up losing to the Flyers in six. And then the Canadians would come back and win the Cup the next four years. So, so it's just I just remember that series as a kid thinking, how like. How does a team outscore a team fifteen to two over two games and lose the series? You know, and I wasn't born. I wasn't born when the uh, Pirates uh, got no. blown out by the Yankees. And in, in, I, 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 t- I tell you what, though, ask the Vancouver Canucks that same situation in two thousand eleven. Because if you recall, they won tight games at home against the Bruins, and every game in Boston uh, was a whitewash for the Bruins until Game 7 in Vancouver, and then the Bruins controlled everything in Game 7. Uh, a, similar, a very similar scenario. It was it was a tight game for the Canucks to win at home, and then the Bruins took over at home in, at, uh, at TD Garden. Do you think the rivalry, like what I remember about that year is a lot of our listeners did not want to see it now. The old school listeners grew up, you know, liking Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito. And, you know, the Bruins had a lot of fans from the late 60s, early 70s. But nobody wanted to see Vancouver win the Cup. Do you think that sort of, like, do you think anybody, like, how would people in Toronto be if the Oilers ended up winning the North Division? And some might say it's a long shot and somehow found a way to win the Stanley Cup. Do you think they'd be supporting the Oilers in the Stanley Cup final? I mean, you're there in T.O. Or conversely, do you think they'd be angry that Edmonton got gifted Connor McDavid? Well, no, remember, this is a team that got gifted Austin Matthews, so <laughs> the Leafs kind of understand that. Um, Leaf fans do. I, I, would, I would tell you that there, is, there has been nothing in our country, Bob, as polarizing as the Vancouver Canucks of 2011. It was the province of British Columbia against the world that yeah. year. Everybody in the other nine provinces in the three territories were cheering, were cheering for the Boston Bruins, it felt like, and everybody hated the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, I think, I, I, and I, I think one of the things uh, comparable to the 1980s uh, would be because Connor McDavid is from Ontario, that if the Oilers were the Canadian representative in the third round and the fourth round, there would be an unbelievable following, as there was for Gretzky and his guys in the 80s. I think there would be an unbelievable following for the Oilers in Ontario and the rest of the country. You know, we just meant, you just mentioned Matthews, Gretzky, uh, you know, Connor McDavid. Circling back, is Jill Perot one of the most underrated star players that the league had throughout the 1970s? 
question. He was a superstar. The fact that he played in a small market long before there was a lot of national television is that uh, he. But I think at the time there was always something that said Perot was great. Remember, he was a guy that made Team Canada '72. Yeah. Two years after, I mean, two years after junior hockey, playing in Victoriaville, he was, and and in many ways, the game in Vancouver. The only positive thing out of the game in Vancouver in '72 was the fact that Jill Perot went end to end and scored against Trechak. So, from from that perspective, I think people did understand how how good Perot was for the longest period of time. You know, it's funny you talk about the Sabres of that ilk. That was a team full of superstars, full of superstars when you think about it, and had one of the great goaltending combinations of the 70s in Bob Sovey and, and Donnie Edwards later. But Roger Crozier was a great goaltender there early. But when you had when you had uh, the French Connection line, which was a famous line at the time, yep. uh, and, and then you had Danny Gare playing for you, they... And Craig Ramsey was there, the one of the best players of all time. Don Luce, yeah. you know Jimmy Lawrence. That, that, that was a team. That was a team for my generation, Bob, and probably your generation. We saw a lot of. Yeah, um, and, I like. And, I and like it, them. Well, and here, let me throw one out. Yeah, this is going to throw a curveball on lots of people. For when we were kids, the CBC Radio Network used to carry. Sunday, Sunday night, night, night hockey, yep. and they did a ton of games from Buffalo because it was easy to travel from Toronto to Buffalo to get your crew there, and and we heard a lot about the Buffalo Sabers on radio in those days, not on television, but on radio. So there's a real there's a real affinity for that punch him lack team um, for people our age and a little older. Yeah, no, they were uh, like they had style. There was some panache to that team at that time. Uh, Danny oh, Gare, yeah. I remember Danny Danny Gare for a little guy. He could fight. Like he he did okay against Clark Gillies one time. The only time I saw him kind of Ben Wilson, he he decided to use the stick. I would have too against Ben Wilson. But Danny Gare was uh, a highly competitive guy who could score as well. As you know, he scored 51 years, so he was pretty good, uh, 49 or 48, whatever it was. Pretty good pretty good player back in the day. So they were an interesting team. Perot was a Perot was not a small man either. Like he was like 6'1", no. 2'10", big shoulder guy, and he could skate. Like he he was an all-world talent. And, and, and became, within an eyelash and the turn of a wheel becoming a Vancouver Canuck as opposed to a Buffalo Sabre in the expansion draft of 1970. Uh, Dale, and imagine, how, imagine, imagine how different the franchises would have been if Gilbert Perrault had gone to Vancouver as opposed to Dale Talon. Was that a time in which uh, Quebec was producing the best players in the world? Well, remember, that was still near the end of of the time when Montreal could pr- protect players. And uh, I, I, I think what what happened in many ways was that with the philosophy and style of, of the three junior leagues, uh, they were they were creating the skaters. Um, the OHL, and, and which was the OHA then, uh, and, and the old uh, WCHL, where Danny Gare played, they were, they were producing skill players, but they were more producing the old rock'em sock'em style of yep. hockey players so the, the skaters the skaters were in quebec and the tough guys were in ontario and the west 
Yeah, well, and, I mean, just think of consecutive years. 1970, Jill Perot goes number one. 1971, you know, Sam Pollock engineers like three trades, and Guy Lafleur goes number one. Marcel Dion, who's French-Canadian, but... Uh, and wasn't there something that happened? They never finished their play, the playoff series. But, and I mention this because there was an incident today, um, John. Uh, Real Madrid was playing... Uh, they're playing Liverpool. Uh, I'm not going to tell anybody the score, but Real Madrid's bus got... Uh, vandalized as it went in and if i'm not mistaken uh when uh the ramparts played dion's team there was an incident with the buses that, that concluded well, the, end of that the, the, the the reality of that was that marcel dion was born and raised in the province of quebec yeah but elected to play junior hockey in ontario and so he played for the st Catharines team in the oha uh, and so when they did play uh in the in the postseason for the memorial cup St. Catharines versus Quebec City, um, the people in Quebec never forgave Marcel. Uh, and, the, and the amount of vitriol and, and harassment that Dion took uh, during, that, during that series was unbelievable. You know, it's interesting. You talked about skill and what leagues are perceived as. Connor Bedard is playing in the Western League at 15. He's a special player. He can really shoot the puck. Uh, the kid with the Edmonton Oil Kings, I know Craig Button had him ranked number two for the NHL draft just on Monday on the TSN show. Uh, Bob mm-hmm. McKenzie, previous to that, Dylan Gunther was ranked number three. Like, the, the WHL is now, there's been a real emphasis, John, on skill over the last. And, and I wonder if part of it, Ian, you might think I'm crazy, but... You're in a market here in Edmonton. Gunther's from Edmonton, um, uh, Bedard's from Vancouver. I'm wondering whether or not it has to do with when you have a player like a McDavid, the kids are sitting there watching that guy, and he plays right in your you – know you know what I'm saying? Because we had a run of goaltenders out of Quebec because of Patrick Waugh. We had a run of defensemen out of Sweden because of Nick Lindstrom. What do you think? Am I out to lunch there or on to something? Well, usually I agree with you, but this time you're out to lunch. Uh, I, I, um, I just, I think that I think it's everywhere, Bob. I think the game has changed that much. I think, I think this, the skills required to play the game at the speed now, it, it has changed everywhere. Um, and simply because you know, when, when you know, the the, the big change in in our lifetime was uh, during the work stoppage in in 2005. Um, when the rules changed, I mean, Connor McDavid has never uh, played really uh, in a competitive game over the age of seven or eight uh, with clutching and grabbing in his life. Uh, and you, you, need, you need speed, you need skill to compete. And I think that's true for every, everywhere in the game. Uh, it's not, it's, it, you know, is Connor McDavid a role model for any kid in northern Alberta? Absolutely. But he's a role model for everybody everywhere. As, as, as we watch the game around the world, is the game has changed. The flow in the game has changed. Um, you, you know, the, the, the value of Josh Anderson, Tom Wilson, um, you know, even the tough guys have to have a ton of skill. Can't be one dimensional. That's really what's changed. Yeah, that's can't really be one. What's changed? All right, uh, let's get to the trade deadline. Uh, you joined us a couple times. Uh, you've had a chance to recalibrate your thoughts. First of all, your overall assessment on what Edmonton did uh, was it enough? And conversely, was it prudent? Prudent, yes. Enough. Uh, the measure will be in the first round of the playoffs. You know, it, it does what it does do is it protects the young guys in the blue line. 
Kulakov will be a difference maker. Here, here's my here's my philosophy of what's happened in the North. Um, really, the measure and who everybody was trying to compete to beat in the North is Winnipeg. Everybody was trying to beat Winnipeg. Everybody's measured Winnipeg, not Toronto, but Winnipeg. The Maple Leafs bulked up on depth because they know they have to face Winnipeg. The Oilers improved their defense because you've got those four lines of depth that the Jets have. And eventually, if you're going to get to the third round, it really, in my opinion, it will run through Winnipeg first. Mm before it runs through Toronto or Edmonton. And so everybody has, in the middle of the bullseye of the Winnipeg Jets, because you're either going to play them in the first round or you're going to play them in the second round to get to the third round. And so what, what Kenny needed to do was, yes, address the defense first. Address the defense first, and he did that with Kulikov. What Toronto needed to do was improve their depth. When you look at the four forward lines Winnipeg puts out, and that's what he tried to do with Riley Nash, Nick Foligno, and uh, you know, and even Ben Hutton on the blue line. Because I mean, Ben Hutton, Ben Hutton should never play a single game for the Maple Leafs unless they get past everybody. Unless they get past everybody, and by then everybody's going to be so banged up, you're going to need your ninth or tenth defense. Interesting stuff, John. As always, we appreciate your time. We'll talk on Monday, okay? Yes, sir. It's 149 at Edmonton. That is John Shannon joining us, our NHL insider for Legacy Heating and Cooling. We're going to do a reset uh, when we come back at about 151 here. You're listening to Oilers Now. Hi, I'm James Neal from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Let's uh, update the Oilers now. Lineup report brought to you by North 49 Home Inspections, professional and thorough home inspections for the Edmonton area. The Oilers have 22 players currently on the active roster, so these 20 guys, 22 players, stay on for the rest of the season. McDavid, Drysaddle, Pulleyarvi, Haas, Cahoon, Yamamoto, Kara, Shore, Archibald, Cassian, and Chase on 11 forwards. Eight defense, including the new addition Kulikov. So that's Nurse and Barry, Russell and Lagason, Jones and Bear. Uh, and sorry, Russell and Larson. So Nurse and Barry, Russell and Larson, Jones and Bear, and then Kulikov and Lagason. Eight defensemen active, three goaltenders active, Smith, Koskinen, and Stalock. There's your 22 active players right now. Edmonton's got two players on IR. Uh, one is RNH and one is Slater Cuckoo. They can just activate those guys. They do not count as one of the order's four call-ups that they're allowed to make at some point. Um, we've got five guys on taxi squad. James Neal, Tyler Ennis, Joe Kim Nygaard, Patrick Russell, Evan Bouchard, and they do count as recalls uh, if and when the orders time, uh, elect to uh, move those guys in and out of the lineup. We'll also tell you that after the regular season, um, you no longer uh, have to have players qualify as recalls. You can bring players up from the minors, et cetera, for this year. In the past, you had to wait until your team was eliminated from the HL playoffs. Again, that is our Oilers Now lineup report for North 49 Home Inspections. We're going to go to this day in Oilers history. It is presented by Dason and uh Jason and Dennis Lalaberti and the team at New West Travel. Go for it, Brendan. Back in 1987, Mark Messier pops off for a goal and three helpers as the Oilers defeat Los Angeles 5-4 in uh, Game 5 to win this playoff series 3-2 and eliminate the LA Kings. Glenn Anderson had the game-winning goal about halfway through the third at Northlands. 
Coming up tonight on Inside Sports with Reid Wilkins from 6 until 8 p.m., uh, Cam Moon from uh, the Flames uh, uh, television broadcasts and uh, NHL Hockey and Rogers, Kelly Rudy, Brendan Botcher, of course, top-end curler, Randy Gregg about the Edmonton Riverhawks, and WDB in 2021 Hall of Fame inductee Don Wilson. We will be back tomorrow on Oilers Now, and our guests will include Louis DeBrusque, Kevin Weeks from the NHL Network for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction service, electrical prefabrication and solar, and Edmonton sporting icon George LaRock. Coming up today on 6.30 Chet Afternoons with Jalen Nye, University of Alberta Students Union, says the funding cuts from the provincial government mean the average student will now have to pay almost 24% more in tuition. The association's president, Joel Agarwal, will join Jalen Nye after a global news weather traffic update at 2 o'clock with Eileen Bell. Have a terrific Thursday. Uh, No, wait, it's Wednesday. Have a wicked Wednesday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.